Welcome to the JDS Podcast, a place to discuss happenings and exciting topics in our school community. So, uh, David, on, on March 28th, we celebrate your grandfather's birthday, the anniversary of his birthday, and every year at the school we have a celebration. Uh, this year, it's a pleasure to sit down with you and hear a little bit about your grandfather learn a little bit about him, a little bit more about him, and hear some of your memories uh, about him. So I wanted to start just by asking you if you could share some of your earliest memories of your Papa Charlie, as, as you call him, and some of the characteristics that stand out uh, to you about him and the kind of person that he was. Well, my grandfather had an enormous amount of faith in God, and it started early. When he was eight years old, he was living in Lipnik, Russia, near the Black Sea, and he and two of his brothers got diphtheria. The two brothers died, he survived, and he believed that God had a hand in that and had saved him for a reason. 57 years later, I was born two months early and was expected to die, but uh, through some series of fortunate events, I survived, and so he felt that we were linked in very um, psychic ways. So to answer your question, I would say his faith, not only uh, his faith in God, but um, he was a great believer in messages uh, throughout his life. He, for example, much later in the 70s, after my grandmother died, he was living in Georgetown, and there was a dove nesting in his magnolia tree. Very unusual. Northwest Washington to have a dove nesting in your tree. And he asked himself over and over, what is, what is God trying to tell me? And he concluded that within 30 days, he was going to meet the woman he would marry. Within 30 days, he met the woman he married. So I would say that, those two things, his generosity and his vision. I think the faith in God polished his vision. I mean, the whole, the whole effort to raise money for the Jewish community complex was his idea. The community was against it, but he, he pursued it and he, he triumphed. So I, I, wanna, I will go back to that in a little while, but I did want to sort of um, go to some of the earlier parts of his life first, just to hear a little bit about the history. So I know that he uh, and his family immigrated from Russia to this country. Right. Um, and I wanted to hear just a little bit about his journey from uh, Russian immigrant uh, to real estate developer in the Washington, D.C. area. So he was one of nine kids. They, my grandfather, a great-grandfather, uh, leased land um, from a uh, nobleman. And they had a... This was in Russia. This was right. in Russia. Yeah. One night, the, the windmill was burned down, and my great-grandfather went to see... They called him the wise Jew in the village. Lipnik was the name of the, of the village. And uh, the wise Jew said, Ruvain, my great-grandfather, pack up and go to America. So he went in 1908, and the rest of the family followed in 1911 to New York. 
And then I understand that your Papa Charlie, when when they were there, um, did quite well in real estate in New York. Uh, but then I think then when the depression hit, uh, lost a lot of money and decided to move to Washington, D.C. What, what do you know uh, about that period in his life? So they were building um, <clears throat> strip malls in Fire Island and other parts of New York in 23, 24, 25. He was a millionaire in 1925. He was, and he was building with his cousin's name was David Smith. And he began to have really bad feelings about the stock market because it was going up and down and up and down very precipitously. So in 1928, he told his cousin, I think we should stop building for a year and just see what happens. His cousin said, Charlie, what do you have, ice water in your veins? He wouldn't go along with that. So in 1929, the stock market crashed, and that was it. And then when they, uh, what precipitated the move to Washington, D.C., and how did he get involved in the uh, real estate business in this area? Okay, so he originally built uh, 56 homes in District Heights, Maryland, uh, and they were selling. And then suddenly he couldn't get utilities hooked up to the project and it was a complete disaster so he had to get a job and he was commuting between new york and washington then oh there is one other there is one other story he had an offer from a a friend of his who was actually which sort of an investment banker a 1930s version of an investment banker who said, look, if you move to Bridgeport, Connecticut, you can work in my bar and grill and your wife can be the cashier. So my grandmother told him, she said, Charlie, if you think I'm going to go from being the wife of a builder to a cashier, you are wrong. (laughs) So find something else. So he got a job with with this uh, big builder at the time here, Waverly Taylor, who, by the way, was a huge anti-Semite. And um, when he got to, he, he went to the uh, secretary in the office and said, you know, I, I'm taking a train to New York. I have to see Waverly Taylor, Mr. Taylor soon because I don't have much time. She, so she got him in. And Waverly Taylor said to him, um, so why should I hire you? I'm only paying $75 a week. Why should I hire you over them? He said, because with all of them, uh, meaning the people in the waiting room, you'll get $75 a week worth of work. With me, you'll get $175 a week worth. Hmm. He hired him. And that's how he started. That's how he started. Yeah. So you mentioned your grandmother, and right. I know that your grandfather and your grandmother were married for 45 years, um, and they had a wonderful partnership. Uh, could you share just a little bit about her and um, her role in the work that he did? Well, it was a very tempestuous relationship, uh, but she was very smart, and she could do numbers faster than anybody in her head than anybody I ever knew except my father. Her biggest contribution to the Charles A. Smith companies was, you know, the building business is very cyclical. And um, at the beginning, often 
we would build buildings for people. You get a fee and that's the end of it. She said we should form a, a management company. So in 1952, the management company was formed. Uh, so we held on to what we built and it stabilized the income flow. That was a very unusual thing for people to, well, I hate to say this, it's a very unusual thing for a woman to think of in 1952, but she was a real, um, she was really smart. Yeah, and it sounds like she was uh, a wonderful partner for, for your grandfather. Um, so, you know, we know uh, that your, your grandfather cared deeply about Jewish causes and particularly about the school. I wanted to hear a little bit about how he got involved uh, initially with JDS and um, what were the things that were most important to him about the school? Well, I have to back up a little before I get to that. Please. Because, because yeah. that's, that's, that's 30 years later. So um, he left Waverly Taylor in 1945, started Charles E. Smith Companies in 1946, and built wealth throughout the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s. But in 1959, he made his first foray in the community as the um, president of the Hebrew home. So that was the springboard for... Um, for his involvement. In 1967, he had a dream, a recurring dream, of men on scaffolding on the side of one of our buildings. For some reason, he interpreted that to mean that it was time for him to retire. The community had been very good to him, and he felt he needed to go on to better, more significant things. So my father, my uncle, and my grandfather had lunch on every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at a restaurant called Duke Zebert's downtown. And he said, my grandfather said, fellows, as of today, I quit. I'm retiring. They ran the company starting the next day, and my grandfather became a professional volunteer in the community. And what uh, attracted him to the school? And why did he put so much uh, time and energy and resources into the school? First, it was the JCC complex. That was a real obstacle um, to get people to buy into that. So that was in the late 60s. School opened, I think, in 77? Well, 1965 it was founded, well, but then one. he got involved. Yeah, yeah, right. But this version of it. Right. 1977. Well, he really believed that in order to have, he was very um, big proponent of education. And he felt that the only way to ensure the continuation of Judaism was through Jewish education. So that was the, that was the real hook. Um, and whatever the school was going to be, it needed to be non-sectarian. It couldn't, you know, cater to just the Orthodox or the conservative or the or the reform. It had to be welcoming to everybody. After the school was open for like uh, five or six years, he decided, you know, is this school really as good as I want it to be or as good as it should be? So he hired the Jewish Theological Seminary to do a year-long study. They were there for a year. It was like getting accreditation for, either for a college. And they evaluated everything. 
And that was the beginning of what um, the school has become. Yeah. And, you know, I understand at that time, uh, Jewish history became a big part of the school curriculum. And even to today, um, that's a signature part of the school. So that's one area in the curriculum where his vision continues today. I understand that he used to walk through the hallways. He knew the students. He used to address the students at commencement every year. Is and there, he gave them graduation parties. Is there a specific memory that you have uh, or a couple of memories that you have about his involvement in the school that stand out for you? Well, see, I really wasn't that involved yeah. in that. I mean, I heard about it, hearsay, but I really wasn't present, I mean, other than hearing him speak. What were, what were some of the topics of... of uh, addresses that he would give to the students? What were his messages to the students? Jewish continuity through Jewish education. That was the one that repeated. I mean, he was definitely sending a message from year to year and to make the school the best it could possibly be, to make it the best uh, Jewish day school in the country if that was possible. And I've heard that message also uh, from your uncle, who has shared as well that that was really what Charles E. was all about, was making sure that this was the, the best Jewish day school and uh, a day school that contributed to the future of American Jewish life. Right. Um, you know, when you think, uh, David, from your perspective, uh, the legacy of your grandfather and that legacy as it relates specifically to the school, um, in addition to continuity, is there something else that stands out for you? Well, there's something that stands out to me. I guess it relates in a, in a way to this, but it doesn't answer it directly. But when I was in, when I was six years old, he told me that I had to read as many biographies of significant people as possible. So that could be George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Golda Meir, Mark Twain. And I asked him why. And he said, because if you do that, you will have a reservoir of wisdom from which to draw when you get older. Wisdom was a buzzword for him. I mean, that was like the highest form of knowledge, wisdom. So he, he was training me early. You know, one of the things that to me is, is unbelievable about your family's relationship with the school is, is that it's continued over a number of generations. So um, your grandfather started uh, his involvement in the school, um, really contributed to the vision of the right. school. Um, then your father and mother got involved in the school. Um, you've been a tremendous supporter of the school for a long time. Um, I know also that um, Alex and Max uh, attended the school, as did uh, Michael and Stacy. Right. And um, just thinking about the number of generations in, involved in the school, um, what did that mean to your grandfather that subsequent generations were involved in the school? And when you think about like what his hopes and dreams were, what do you think they would be for the next generation of the Smith family? Oh well, he was thrilled. I mean, I mean, as each now he could only only lived to to see um, me get involved uh, because uh, Alexandra and Max were babies, and um, Michael and Stacy were, you know, like ten and twelve. 
Um, so I want to um, sort of think a little bit about things that are going on in our world today and the school's role in addressing the issues of today. I know that was really important to your grandfather that the school be grounded in Jewish tradition, mm -hmm. um, but that the students emerge as equally committed to their Jewish tradition, but active and engaged American citizens. That was uh, something that I've heard and I've read was really important to him. Um, when we think of some of the issues today, rising anti-Semitism, the growing uh, or a growing delegitimization of Israel um, among Israel's critics, and the political polarization that we see in uh, among Americans today. Um, from just knowing your grandfather, how, how, what would he think about these issues and what, would you, what do you think he would want to see the school do around those issues? Well, I don't think, I, I don't think the rising anti-Semitism would surprise him at all because he, he, he saw it in Europe and then he learned about it when he got here during World War II. So that wouldn't, it would be a, another historical wave that hopefully would level out. So I don't think that would surprise him. What would surprise him is two things. The divisions in this country, which don't necessarily have anything to do with Judaism. America is not faithful. Its alliance to Israel is not faithful right now. And the, you know, the two governments had always been each other's best friend, I think. That is not true anymore, and that would really surprise him. It certainly surprises me, and it's kind of scary. So I think it would make him feel very insecure. David, you've been uh, particularly generous with your, your time today. And um, as we uh, begin to wrap up, uh, you know, as we celebrate uh, Charles E. Smith Day at the school, I wonder if you have a message um, for the students in the school sort of emanating from the vision of, of your grandfather. Um, I think it would be there's nothing more important than a good education. And even if you're not aware of it at the time, you know, you realize it later on. Because if you don't take advantage of the opportunity, it's a, it's a lifetime compromise in quality and opportunity. I think that's a really appropriate way to end. I, I want to thank you for taking the time and, and really want to thank you um, as we're talking for your family's deep dedication to the school. Um, your family has made a tremendous difference in the lives of thousands of students at the school. And those students have gone on to live uh, meaningful lives, but uh, make a commitment both to the Jewish community and to American society and, and make a difference in the world. And that's a, a legacy that your grandfather started that I know your parents shared and you share and that your entire family shares. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of the Charles E. Smith Jewish Day School. Stay tuned for our next episode.